Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, y'all are awake. Let's go. All right. Um, so this morning, I, uh, I had a really cool thing happen. I got to uh, start my day off with a really tender and extremely humbling experience. Um, Scott came over and was doing everything that Scott does that nobody ever sees before service. Um, I was over there as well, just uh, making sure that we had everything ready for service, and uh, Colin was tagging along this morning. And so before we left uh, to come over um, to start speaking with people and greeting everyone this morning, uh, Scott just asked if the three of us could pray together. Um, and it was, it was such a sweet moment because uh, Colin was asked, all right, if you were about to preach your first sermon, what would you most be nervous about? He's like, I'm going to mess up like immediately. Like He was ready. He's like, I, I don't want to mess up. Um, and then Scott was asking, well, what are other reasons that... Um, that we would want to, to make sure that we're praying for Eric this morning. And Colin's like, well, I, I, you know, I want him to honor God and, and how he preaches. So, so Colin starts to pray, and he, uh, he said it's something like this. He said, I, uh, uh, Heavenly Father, I, just, I pray that you would help Eric to preach well this morning, uh, that you would help him not to mess up. And uh, I, was, I was praying that right along there with him. Uh, it was just, it was so funny because in just such innocence, uh, Colin just humbled me in a, in a huge way this morning. Uh, just, you know, reminding me it's, it's okay. Um, we're preaching God's word, not our own. But uh, that was just such a funny thing that happened this morning. So this morning we're talking about peace. Peace, is it possible? Is it possible to have peace? Um, look around us now. I mean, cut on the news turn on Facebook, log into anything, and uh, most people probably wouldn't say so. Um, our, our government can't decide what we want our budget to be for the next year because the left cannot agree with the right, and if the left does it, then the right has to say that that's bad, and we can't, we can't agree. We can't work anything out. Um, we can't figure out if abortion should be legal or not legal. We cannot agree on the fact that we are born as either male or female, and that's the end of the sentence, there's not this huge run-on of like 20 other categories. Like, that's it. There's male and female. We can't agree on anything. Like, students, high school or college, are reporting stress levels that are equivalent to that of like a soldier who is suffering from PTSD. Now, that may seem, that may seem a little overdramatic, like students calm down, but they're perceiving it that way. And that's a real thing. We need to, we need to understand that. It may not actually be PTSD level stress that they should be experiencing, but they are experiencing that level. They, they see it as being that intense. Um, we just, we cannot fathom uh, a world with peace. Um, last week, Mary and I were watching a film on Netflix called Come Sunday. Uh, you may have seen it up, you may not have. Uh, I encourage you to go check it out, but it's a biopic about Carlton Pearson, who's a, uh, he was a Pentecostal pastor and basically, he had preached the gospel faithfully for 25 years. He had preached that, that Christ was in heaven with God, and they were one, and that he came down to make the way for, for man and cover all of our sin so that we may have communion with the Lord, and that he rose from the grave, and that he ascended, and that he's coming back again. Like He preached that for 25 years. But then his uncle called him in. His uncle had been in prison for a while, had a hard life, and uh, Carlton couldn't make peace with the fact that his uncle, though he had tried to save him many times, just would not be saved. And uh, he actually found out that this specific instance, that his uncle had had drugs that were found in his cell. He said that he wasn't guilty, but he was about to go on parole in like three weeks. And they said, actually, you're going to spend six more years here. He was asking him if he would write a letter to the board to say like, 
hey, this dude's actually pretty solid. Like, don't make him stay for six more years. And Carlton was like, I can't do that in good confidence. Like, that's not right. You're, you're not. You asked me to come here to save you today, and that's not what you want. You just want me to get you out of jail. He said, I can't do that. So he left. He knew that he had done the right thing, but it was really hard. He couldn't accept that. He couldn't, he couldn't understand how a God who was, who was so just and so righteous would, would not allow this man to come out. And so he finds out that his, his uncle kills himself a couple weeks later. And, and it just it shattered his world. Like Carl, Carlton could not come to peace with the fact that this same God who would send his son to die on the cross for us and be the propitiation for all of our sins is the same God that could condemn a man to hell and eternal separation from him. And, and so Carlton, like, he started talking to all of his family members saying, like, I, I feel so guilty. And they're like, you did what you needed to do. Like, you did everything you could. And it, he couldn't accept that. So Carlton did what a lot of church members do. Uh, he said he had a peace about something. He said he had a vision. Uh, he, he said that God spoke to him in a dream and said, no, like, people don't go to hell. Like, I came and uh, Christ died for all sin, for all people. All people can know me. They don't go to hell. And so without telling anyone, he just starts preaching this on a Sunday. And like, people get up and start walking out the church. And basically, over the, the course of the story, what happens is that, that Carlton's church completely disassembles. Like, they had, they had black people and white people worshiping together in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in a place that, like, that was not thought possible. And he sees that go to crumbles. He sees this big church that he had built up crumble. Everybody leaves him. He gets excommunicated from the church. Nobody will stand by him because they told him he's preaching false doctrine and preaching heresy. But no matter how many times he's confronted, you see continually, Carlton just says, no, I, that, that's what I believe. I believe God spoke to me. I have a peace about it. And he refused to listen to any of the counsel that was being given to him. I feel like that happens to us way too often. Um, it's, a, it's a confusing idea of peace. Um, but I have a passage today that I think is really going to help us understand how we need to address peace and what that looks like for us, because it is something that obviously seems to be something we're, we're wrestling with as a society. We don't understand what peace is. Why don't you pray with me, please? God, I, I pray that you would be with us today. That you would uh, guide us through your word as we unpack uh, Luke 2. I just pray that you would uh, fill this place with your Holy Spirit, and that you would guide us through your text as we study your word I just pray that you would help us to have a right understanding of peace and, and what that looks like in your Bible as we study and walk through this together, that you would help us understand with how we can have that peace and what that peace looks like in our lives. I just pray that you would encourage us and refresh us with this teaching today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, would you open your Bibles with me to Luke 2, verses 8 through 20? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. It will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude 
of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So today I want to draw out three points uh, that are, are made clear in this passage. And the first is from verse 14, that God reigns on high. See, our culture has an issue, and in the church we have the same issue. Uh, We have a man-centered approach to peace, not a God-centered one. Our culture has a man-centered approach to peace. I mean, look around. We go to psychologists, psychiatrists. We go play golf, go to the gym, go on vacations, cuddle up in a... I keep saying cuddle. It's cuddle. Cuddle up in a coffee shop with a mug and like our favorite book. Like We do whatever we can, but I think it's to find relaxation and rest and not to find peace. Because rest and peace are not the same. And, and rest is important. God designed it. And in Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3, he tells us that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So rest is clearly designed by God. It's something that's meant for us, but so is work. Because God commands us in 2 Thessalonians 3, as Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, saying, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day. We might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. Peace is a necessity. If we're supposed to work and pick up our crosses daily, we have to have peace. The world is not an easy place. We can't just go out into the world and come back like nothing has happened. Like it's not easy out there. It's hard. It's real life. It's difficult. And so if we're going to operate in the world, we have to have peace to be able to do so. That's why we gather together as a body in the church. We come here to be refreshed, but to be sent back out. And too often, what we do instead is we pursue a fleshly rest that's not focused on God. So how do we balance this idea of of resting and of working and a grander subject of peace? Like, how do we have peace while pursuing rest, but also pursuing work? We need to have a God-centered approach. That's, That's the first way we start with this. We should never trust our own instincts over God's word. We're fallible, but there's there's one true God that is not. He never fails. He never makes a mistake. 
is always true. And if there's one thing that we can be sure of, it's that we will always mess it up and that he never will. If we trust our own instincts, they can be used wrongly. An understanding of peace can be extremely destructive, as we saw with Carlton. But peace can also be such an incredible testament to God's glory. In verse 14, the angels are singing glory to God in the highest for the fullness of blessing that Christ is bringing to earth. Christ, in this passage, is about to make the way for man to be reconciled to God the Father. We should be singing his praise and seeking him in prayer because of the grace and of the mercy that he has shown to us by sending his son to come as nothing into this world and to die on the cross for our sins. Regardless of what we have going on, regardless of our own circumstances, any hardship that we're facing, in the midst of every struggle, we have to sing his praise and seek him. Horatio Spafford is the author of a a well-known hymn. Most of us probably know it. It's called It Is Well. He is a Presbyterian uh, from Chicago. He was very successful. He's a very successful lawyer and a devout Christian. And uh, Horatio had invested heavily in real estate all along uh, Lake Michigan shoreline. But he lost everything overnight in the great Chicago fire of 1871. And he lost all of his real estate, all of the investments. And what follows after this is a story that's very reminiscent of Job. See, not long before that had happened, his son had died. And then to make matters even worse, Horatio thought he was going to do something really good for his wife and for his daughters that were still alive and said, what, hey, I got some friends that are going to go preaching on a circuit in, in Europe. Let's, let's go over there with them. Like, let's just go enjoy vacation. Let's get away for a little bit. Let's, let's get back together. So that's what they planned to do. When it came time to go, he had some business that came up at the last minute. He wasn't able to go with them, so he, he sent his wife and his daughters on the ship ahead of him and said, y'all go ahead. I'm on the next ship right behind you. I'll, I'll be right there. Well, right as he's about to board his ship, he gets a telegraph from his wife, and it says, I survived alone. See, the ship that his wife and his daughters were on sank in the midst of the Atlantic. It is well was written as Horatio was traveling across the spot that they thought the ship had gone down with his daughters, where they all perished. And he wrote, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Man, what kind of peace is that? To be able to be right on top of your daughter's grave and to be able to say, whatever happens, it's, it's okay. It is well. Like Jesus is in control. God's in control. It, it is well. Do we have that kind of peace? If we don't have that peace, can we have that peace? How can we worship God in the midst of such turmoil? And in such a situation that seems impossible to be able to, to worship God and to have peace. Like how was he able to say, God, it's okay. I just lost everything, but I, I trust you. You're, you're, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I trust you. How was he able to have that kind of peace? We know that we can have that peace because we serve a sovereign God. One who sent his son to die on the cross for us to cover all of our sins. 
the same God that said, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Because heavenly peace is for believers. We see in Luke 2, 14, the scripture says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now for many of us, that's a, that's a different translation than what we're used to. We're probably used to the KJV, uh, where it says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Uh, I think the better translation from the Greek is that, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's well pleased, because from the rest of Scripture, we're able to see that, that God didn't come for everyone to be able to come into heaven. He came for those who would believe in his Son. Uh, he did come for all. But the only way we can have peace is to trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's the only way we can know God the Father. Because all the, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, all of that is just it's obsolete now. We're able to have communion with Christ and by extension, with God the Father. Because Christ is our Prince of Peace. Christ is peace. And we can, we can find rest without Christ. We can go to the coffee shops, to the you know, therapist. We can go play golf. We can go on a vacation. We can do whatever to try and find relaxation. But it's not going to last because rest is temporary. It's fleeting, but peace is eternal. Our peace is in knowing that the God of the universe gave himself to die for us, and he's already conquered sin and death and that means that we don't have to. Christ is our peace. Ephesians 2, 14 through 22, outlines how, how Christ is our peace. He has come and he has ended the war between us and between God. That there, there's no more walls between us and the Father. We don't have to keep doing all of the rituals and all of the sacrifices that the Israelites throughout the history of the Old Testament did because God is the newer, better version of all of that through Christ the Son. We don't have to worry about every day, like, hey, God, my son screwed up. He did this. Like, hey, God, I, I did this today. Here's a lamb. Here's, a, here's another lamb. Like, we don't have to constantly be offering these sacrifices. It's as easy as saying, God, uh, I messed up today. I, uh, I lied at school, or, you know, I've I really was just not nice to that person. I should have been more forgiving. We can just say, God, forgive me. I messed up. I sinned. Help me out. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm repenting of my sin. I know that that was not obedient to you. We're able, able to have a much more effective and a much more direct communication with God. And God made the way for us to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We should help make that easier. Because God is in us, he's dwelling within us so that we can be more like him, which should compel us to, to be more like him every day because his presence is in us, he fills us. And I don't think that we act that way enough. I don't think that as the church, that we act in a way that shows everyone around us that, that we have peace. I mean, I think... We definitely do a good job of, of supporting missionaries, of, of supporting missions. I mean, we just packed 1,500 uh, Operation Christmas child boxes to be sent out to, to advance the gospel across the nations. But I think we're also the same type of people that won't walk next door to our neighbor that's suffering from drunkenness, that's going through a really rough patch right now. We won't go love on him and say, hey, like, here's Jesus. Here's, here's what I know. that I really think this will help you out. Let me love on you. Let me 
Let me see if I can get you some help. We're so willing to go and, and do stuff that is maybe more anonymous, but when it comes to actually having to do something that makes us a little uncomfortable, we don't display that peace, which is why the world calls us hypocrites. They don't think that what we say we believe is how we actually act. They see us act one way on Sundays and act in a completely different way the rest of the week. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, in a lot of ways, we've, we've helped them have that narrative because we just back up. They, anyone that wanted to make that argument could point here, 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 here and say, yep, no, they're not acting the way they're supposed to. They're not acting the way they're supposed to. They say this, they're doing this. And we don't live in a way that reflects the peace of Christ that's within us. But we can't be mad at culture for doing that. We can't be mad at them for calling us out. I mean, we're supposed to do that with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're even scared to do it. So at least someone's calling us out. We can't be mad at them for acting like culture. We can't be mad at them for not knowing Christ and acting in a way that would seem like they don't know Christ because they don't know Christ. Like, too often we're, we're the same people who are saying, well, they think this, how could they ever think this? Like, that's just awful. I can't believe that they think homosexuality is okay. I can't believe that they think, you know, we should act this way or not act this way. I can't believe they would say this. It's like, well, of course they would say this. Like, they don't know Jesus. We get mad at them for being who they are. I mean, they don't know Christ. We do, and we still act the same way as them. So let's change that. Let's, let's act in a way that's different. People are looking everywhere for, for rest and for peace, and they can't find it. I mean, just look around. We are spending money left and right to try and do things that we think are going to bring us rest or bring us peace. We can't find it. Even, even in the church, we're doing the same thing. We have that peace to share, and we're not sharing it. Not sharing it like we should be. And the gospel is a message that needs to be shared. We have what the world is looking for. We're like the Jews in Ephesians 2. We are set apart from culture, much like Israel was set apart from the Gentiles throughout the entire Old Testament. But the reason the Jews were, were told to be over here and to, and to be separate from the world and not to be affiliating with the world, the reason they were set apart was not just for them. It wasn't like God just loved the Jews and that's the only people he ever intended to save. He wanted to save the Gentiles too, but he wanted to use the Jews to do it. But instead of doing what they were supposed to, and instead of us doing what we're supposed to, too often we wind up being exactly like the Jews were when Christ did come. The fulfiller of all of the prophecies of the Old Testament came. They had all the scriptures. They knew or were supposed to know everything that was about to happen in the way that Christ was supposed to fulfill all of those prophecies. And they're the same ones that put him on the cross. They didn't get it. And then after he died, we see Peter, we see Paul, Jews, go and share the message to the Gentiles. There was no more, you know, you dirty Samaritan, who are you? I, I can't even associate with you. They had a heart that was broken for the lost. They wanted to advance the gospel among the nations. They wanted to have people come to know Christ as their Savior and their Lord because they, they finally got it. After Christ died, they understood that the phrase that we hear so often is true that we have to be in the world but not of it. And, and 
in our context, I think too often we actually live it the opposite way. We're not in the world, and we're definitely of the world. You see us act the way we do Monday through Saturday, and there's no difference between us and everyone else. And then when we're called to be in the world to go and share the gospel, we're the first ones to refuse to do it because that makes me uncomfortable or whatever. And I get, like, sometimes it's, well, I don't think I know enough. I don't think I can, I can share the gospel because I just don't know enough about the gospel to share it. Or we're just too scared to even try. Well, the gospel is that Christ was one with God and created everything. We sinned. We messed up, separated from God. Christ sent his son, or God sent his son, Christ, to die on the cross for us so we can know him, have eternal life. He ascended. He's coming back again so that we can have eternity with him. And if you don't, consequences are eternity and hell separated from him. It's that simple. We know that. We, we know this peace, and we don't act like it. We don't share it. And the shepherds had, they had such a good news. They knew that the Savior of the world was coming down, that he was going to be the one that made all the difference. They knew that Jesus was being born in the manger, and they were so excited. They took off running to Bethlehem to tell everyone, not just Mary and Joseph. Like they told everyone what was happening. They told Mary and Joseph what was happening. They were so excited. And we know something far greater than that, and we won't even share it. Because we know that the story didn't end there. We know that it wasn't just a baby that came. It wasn't just the savior of the world that was going to be the king of kings and lord of lords. We know that he was our prince of peace, that he is our peace, that he died, he defeated sin and death, that he was resurrected again. He brought to life, he ascended, he's coming back for us. Like we know all of that, and we won't even share it with anyone. They were so excited that a savior was coming. And we know something that's even greater. It's our duty to share the peace of Christ as Christians. We know that God's in control. And that should encourage us to want to share the gospel. Because it's just like me teaching right now. Just tell them the word and trust that God is going to handle it. Be faithful to at least plant the seed. And then be faithful. Let God do the work. But we're, we won't even take that first step. We won't even go there because it's going to make us uncomfortable. We're, we're not worried about it. Again, it's because our peace is not in God. We're not looking to him first. Our peace is on our own comfort. That's, what, that's how we define peace. It's, well, this is going to make me uncomfortable, so I don't have a peace about it. Well, you don't have a peace about a lot of things, but you do it anyways. Share the gospel. That's what we're commanded to do. And we should be excited to do it. We should be so excited to get to go share the good news of the gospel. So how do we do that? How do we look around and find people that are in need of peace? How do, how do we find someone that's in need of peace? Um, go driving during the holidays. <laughs> you find a lot of people that have some conflict going on. Uh, you get cut off left and right. People get road rage. Uh, we were driving by a couple yesterday who was in the midst of like an all-out war in their car. It's like World War III going down. Like, it's not hard to find people who are dealing with conflict. And it really is that simple. Just share the gospel. 
What does that look like? Okay, well, this person says they're going through, you know, a circumstance and they don't know how to deal with it. Well, tell them how you went through something similar and how Christ helped you through that, how placing your faith in Christ helped you to make it through that circumstance. That's, that's sharing the gospel. Just start with your testimony. You can work out all the details later, but just share it initially. Just say, okay, you're going through this. This is hard for you. Here's how I got through something similar. You can't relate perfectly to every situation, but you can at least just be faithful and share what you do have to share. Share the experiences you have. Just find someone. It's not hard. That's mom, that's dad, that's brother, sister, friends, coworker. You know someone who is going through something. We're people. We're messy. We screw things up. We're great at doing that. It's not hard to find someone who is going through something tough. Just share the good news of the gospel with them. I want to challenge us this week to do that, to find someone, to find someone to share the gospel with. Just see what happens if you're intentionally thinking, how, how can I tell this person about Jesus? Instead of checking out as soon as you leave church, like we do all the time, and just saying, all right, well, I'm going to work, I'm coming back. Like, Think about Christ outside of Sunday morning. What would that look like if we started doing that? You know, would the narrative around Christians change? Would we stop being, you know, the group of crazy hypocrites that are, you know, over here on the far right? If we, if we quit reinforcing the narrative that we're hypocritical, what would that do to our culture? I think it'd make a big difference if the church actually started sharing the gospel and saying, okay, yeah, I, I messed up, I sinned. I, I was wrong for that. That's clearly not obeying God, but... I, I know that's wrong. I'm repenting. If, if we were just honest with people, if we shared the gospel with them, if we were gracious to people, helped out strangers, helped out people who are really going through some cruddy situations, what would that look like? What kind of a difference would that make? I don't know, but I, I think it'd be a good one. And I think that's a good side to err on. To share the gospel and be faithful. You have such a great peace dwelling within you. You have, the, you have Christ himself. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. Share that. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, please talk to Scott, talk to me, talk to any of our deacons. Just talk to him and say, like, I want to have that peace. I, I don't have that. I want to know that peace. Any of us would be glad to share it. If you came with someone to church, ask whoever you came with. Get them to tell you about that peace. And let's make sure this week as we go into it that we're, we're focusing on the peace of Christ, that, that we understand what a great news we have and, and the weight of that, and that our hearts would be broken for the lost. We are surrounded by lostness. And that should affect the way we live. We should be sending the light of the gospel of Jesus out into the darkness around us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that you would help us to know that you are in control. There's nothing that you cannot do. There's nothing you can't handle. God, that the peace you give us is, is one that is, is so good and so sweet. The peace you give us is more than enough. It's everlasting. It won't fade. 
and we can put our faith in you. God, I just pray that you would help us to, to share that peace with people around us. You would help us to act like people who know your peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.